0: To the area, Jancic, stamp through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop Unbelievable scenes in the Edmonton derby! Goal!
1: Oh!
0: And Leibach stuck! What the oh. goal!
2: Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart and Midlothian Football Club, now officially secured European football for next season. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson, who I was going to say, uh, have you dug your passport out, but you have to get your passport out even if you want to see Hearts at Tynecastle.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Which passport, the US one or the UK one? I looked at the dates. Obviously, if it's if it's August eighteenth, US Open's usually end of the month. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful of being able to come over because obviously you don't do away games in Europe. Uh, You didn't do Malta. You didn't do Estonia. So I'm 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 hopefully going to await the call to do the commentary of the away game. Although somehow this time, I think you'll find a way to be able to commentate on Hearts away from home. In Europe. But great. Yeah, third place wrapped up, 16 points clear of Dundee United, five games left. It was weird waiting for the fixtures and not giving a toss what they had in store, the whole <laughs> hips game. And who cares about the rest? Because we can't finish second and we can't finish fourth. So between now and the end of the season, there's only one game that matters. For now,
1: I was gonna say hopefully, hopefully there'll be play. two. Hopefully, but, yeah, for now be there's two,
0: but for now, there's only one game that matters and it's this weekend. That was the dress rehearsal at Town Castle on Saturday, and hopefully the Hamden showdown goes just the same way. Indeed, and we
2: are joined, uh, as usual, by someone who's well accustomed to a Hamden showdown against a Burnian. It's uh, the carpenter. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Ryan McGowan.
0: Oh, here... Oh, there we go. We should,
2: we should say, we should say. I know I can't slag anyone after the, my, my audio issues last week, but Ryan's on the way to training, so.
3: What?
0: Oh. Are you speaking Arabic? <laughs> right. Um, Laurie, any idea what that was?
1: Ten
0: minutes. Uh, oh, <laughs> ten. ten oh. Hi, Ryan. I don't know if you use the tank. <laughs> <laughs> um right, help us out,
2: Laurie. Uh, right, well well we well Ryan th- tried, thanks,
0: Ryan. That
2: was good. Th- th- thanks for joining us this week, Ryan. Um <laughs> we are also delighted to be joined once again by Mr. Anthony Brown. Hello.
3: how are we? Very good. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I was just thinking there, it's been, it doesn't seem like that long ago I was on, but it was actually nearly two years ago, believe it or not. No! Yeah, incredible. What? I think it was like last, it was a year, well, July, July 2020, around about that time. Peak COVID? Yeah, it was, it was just before I launched the last book. But it genuinely doesn't, doesn't feel it. Like hey, hold, hold on, hold <laughs> on.
0: Plug straight away. Yes. Not even a plug for the new book, which you'll get plenty of opportunities to do. But plug in the old book before An you plug in the new book. With within thirty seconds. That's magnificent work.
3: Thank you.
2: Indeed, Tony Brown, author of Reminiscing with Legends, uh, which you can still get. I assume you've you've, you've probably got the um, the plug off off by heart, do you, Tony?
3: Yeah, you can still get that at. Legends98.bigcartel.com, or you can get, I think, the Heart Shop has still got it as well, if you want to go in there, hardback or paperback.
2: Excellent. And we will talk to you today about your new book, which is Triumph and Tragedy of, 19 of May, 19th of May
0: 2012. Can't use yep. that. That's too similar to Turmoil and Triumph, believe 2006, <laughs> mainstream publishing, copyright. Change I've got the that. Title, so.
3: I've, I've actually got that sitting next to me, Mark, on my really? bedside table. Yes, I was reading it quite recently. Coaster.
0: <laughs> that's his adult material for evenings.
2: <laughs> that's that's underneath. <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: we, we well, get- what, a, what a phenomenal start to this podcast, right? One of the guests that's just messaged, "Don't ask me any questions for another ten minutes." An attempt at humour that hadn't hasn't worked. Um, a plug for an old book, and then plenty to come, and we haven't even touched upon Saturday's game at Tyne Castle yet.
2: Indeed, there's 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 lots lots to get through, and we won't speak to Ryan again for ten minutes. I don't I don't know why, but I
0: didn't even say please, Laurie Day. Don't ask me any questions for another ten minutes.
1: I can still hear you. I just think that you oh, can't so, hear me. Oh, we can hear it. That's <laughs> that could...
0: sounds much better. Oh,
1: that's all right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Why ten minutes?
1: Well, I'll be at training in ten minutes, so I'll be stationary, so it should be better for
0: you. <laughs> you're going to be stationary at training. You need to run around. <laughs>
1: You've obviously not watched me for the last five, ten <laughs> years. I just stay in my position.
0: Why do you? Why do you take your phone to training and kind of do the podcast while you're whatever you do yeah, at yeah. training?
1: Just hang about. Yeah, I should do that little GoPro on my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to this disjointed start to this week's uh, podcast yeah
2: let's um let's let's get let's get cracking <sighs> okay first up uh, <laughs> part one of the edinburgh derby double header took place on saturday just past. let's have a quick listen back to the best of the action now hips come forward on the counter here right left side of the hearts box good quick break here by the visitors right shot deflected across the box and in. Mueller, I think, got the final touch. And it had Barney and have the opener here. Four and a half minutes played. Sims into the box. Twisting and turning, but held up by Hanlon. Still going, Sims, still has it. Hanlon goes down. Sims twisting and turning still. It's very untidy. Back to Haldey loose yes! yes!
3: Halliday!
2: And Hearts are level! And it's Andy Holiday with a shot across the box! off the right post touches it back to Peter Haring 25 yards out, curls into to walks lovely ball, back post, touch towards goal and it's 2-1 out. what a start to the second half and it's Stephen Kingsley parts of time to give around either side of half time lovely ball from Peter Haring and it's Stephen Kingsley drifting into at the back post here's Barry McKay midway inside the hips half Lovely back heel, Halliday. Twenty-five yards out, goes to the shot.
0: Halliday! Oh,
2: Andy Halliday! He's done it again. The Hibs fans can't believe it. Halliday strikes twice and Hearts
3: are two to the good. Hearts of Midlothian three, Hibernian one.
2: So, Hearts of Midlothian against Hibernian—the first time, apart from a certain day in May 2012 that we've had a three o'clock Saturday Edinburgh Derby and of course the first time in that time so first time in 16 years since we've had an Edinburgh Derby that hasn't been televised and I actually quite like it. Mark I know from a product point of view if you're trying to sell Scottish football it's never good to have a game of this magnitude not on the TV however from a fan point of view from a Hart's point of view as a, as a supporter and someone at the match, I think it added to the atmosphere.
0: 100%. And it came across loud and clear, that atmosphere sounded fantastic and speaking not personally but listening to the interviews with anybody who was involved on both sides, they, they expressed how, how noisy it was and, and how good an atmosphere it was and I, yeah, I think part of that has to be because the only way you would get to see that if you were in Scotland would be to go to Tynecastle because it wasn't on on television. To be honest, I hope I hope it's a one-off because a game of that magnitude should... Re- I mean, any other league, when you've got two of the... or when you've, you've probably got the second-best rivalry in the whole of the league, it's going to be televised, but it wasn't in Scotland for whatever reason. I'm not going to go into that because that's boring. But on Saturday, more than happy it wasn't. Great noise and a great win.
2: Indeed, I was actually in the, in the lead-up to kickoff. I was actually playing with my levels, trying to find a way. Is that a like, euphemism. Uh, no, I was, I was playing, with, I was playing with the noise levels because I couldn't hear Jimmy and I couldn't hear myself oh, really? very well. And I was like, "It's just too loud." But it's nothing I can do. It's just this. There's too much noise. It's not been like this for quite a while. Tony, how how did you find the the atmosphere? On Saturday It's something that Obviously it's an Edinburgh derby There's always a good atmosphere But that just seemed to be Cranked up a notch For this one
3: Yeah I mean I think As you say Every single derby Even the most boring 0 -0, There's still a good atmosphere Particularly in the early stages When both sets of supporters are right up for it Even if it's a 12 o'clock kick-off I think there's always A good atmosphere in the stadium But there definitely is An extra I don't know if it's just The way it feels Like Not necessarily the atmosphere But just the, the feeling Of being in the stadium At that time On a Saturday afternoon I think there was just something a little bit extra. I mean, even the Hibs supporters, they were right up for it at the start. And you thought, oh, yeah. they've come here to, to try and spoil the party a little bit again, I guess. To the, well, not spoil the party, but you know what I mean? They they looked like they were right up for it. And when they got there, like, oh, they, they were they were constant. And it was a wee bit sort of quiet. in the hearts end for a period until they found their way into the game. But no, it was just the sun beating down as well. It was quite a nice warm afternoon as well. It was just yeah. a real pretty spectacular occasion all around.
2: Indeed, and I think um, I think it actually, I said this afterwards to someone, uh, although in, at the time you don't feel that. In hindsight, it's all oh, well, you know, when you've won, I quite like when you have that back and forth because Hibs had their time, and we'll get into the game in a few moments at the start, but they had their moment, so they started well, which meant their fans had their period where they were obviously the Hearts fans and celebrating, and then Hearts came back in. And it just felt like a proper derby back and forth, which I think in the end just makes for a great spectacle. It's a shame, Mark, because we've had lots of nil-nil derbies and low-scoring derbies on the TV done the years. This was an open game with, with four goals in the end. and Many did watch it, but it wasn't on, on your mainstream channels.
0: No, and I was doing a game at the same time. So the first opportunity I had to see the game uh, was was on sports scene on BBC iPlayer, and because there were five games to get through, it, it was kind of lip service was paid and it was pretty much basically the goals and a couple of the chances as well. So I went back and, and watched it again. And we, we were sluggish to start with. And you can just sense that the Hearts fans were, they hadn't turned, but any more of that. And uh, if they hadn't seen anything, I, I think it might have been a lot harder. But then the chances started to come and I think that really helped Hearts and then, obviously, just before half time thing, things got a lot better,
2: yeah, I mean, in terms of the team, it's probably much don't really need to go into the team too much I mean on the show last time we said we we expected Atkinson to come back in, maybe just the one change I thought it might be possibly Halliday or Cochran to come out, and he'd keep Mac and F in, but in the end, Nielsen kind of reverted more to the traditional thing. It's probably a 3-4-2-1, really, with Gordon and Goals, Sibic, Halkett and Kingsley, the centre-backs, Atkinson, Cochrane, right and left, Haring and Halliday in the centre, and Boyce and McKay in the sort of two number 10 roles supporting mm. Ellis Sims. So not too many surprises with that. But but you're right, Mark. I mean, opening 20 minutes Hibs, Hibs were the better side. Hearts, uh, largely because I thought hearts were well off the pace, where yep. misplacing passes just didn't really seem to be on the ball. And one thing I thought was quite interesting about Hibs, and they did this a little bit at Easter Road as well, the, the the big complaints I hear from Hibs fans under Maloney is they're pedestrian. It's play out from the back very slowly, loads of the ball, but it doesn't get into the final third. and They don't create any chances. They weren't creating lots of chances, to be fair, but they were moving the ball quite quickly up the park and they were being quite
0: effective on the break. Mm-hmm. And they were better. Going back to the, the, the lineup, when I first saw that, my first instinct was a 4-2-3-1 with Halliday, Mackay and Boyce in behind Sims with Civic and Harring. So when I eventually saw that it, it, it was 3 I think a formation like that uh, and a selection like that allows you the flexibility to make it a four or to keep it a three, depending on the stage of the game or or how things are going. And Robbie changed it. He, he changed it after 10 minutes or so. Um, Barry McKay had a free roll. Boyce went up top with Ellis Sims. And I, I don't know if that was noticeable um, from you guys in a, in attendance, a little tweak. I assume it was, but I think you've got to give credit to Robbie for, for realizing, I mean, it's easy to criticize and we've done plenty of that um, over his time in charge. And there are still some that will continue to do so regardless of, of what happens. I would hope that a victory on Saturday would change that perspective. Well, we can talk about that later on, but by changing things, it gave hearts a foothold in the game and, they couldn't keep the pace that they started that game going. And it was just a case of patience for Hearts, and, and we had plenty of it.
2: So Dre Wright eventually got the, the goal. I thought at first it looked like Mueller had maybe got a touch, but it was two deflections of the Hearts players on its way in four and a half minutes played. Uh, in those opening 20 minutes or so, Tony, What if you're looking at this game and thinking ahead to the next game, which we will do, what do Hearts... What, what went wrong from a Hearts perspective or was it a case of what went right from a Hibs perspective that that opening 20 p- minutes happened? Because in some ways, I think it was a surprise for both sets of fans.
3: Yeah, and I suppose regardless of whether it was Hibs doing well or Hearts not doing well, it serves as... Their, I mean, there's a lot of... I, I'm probably in this camp as well that I just can't really see Hearts not winning on Saturday. I'm convinced <laughs> they'll win on Saturday. I actually can see them winning potentially by a few... Maybe even, I don't want to talk it up too much, but I think they could win pretty, they've got it in them to win pretty comfortably this weekend. However, the way that first 20 minutes unfolded, it's easy to forget about now because Hearts won 3 1 and it was all pretty comfortable in the end. But had Hibs got through at half time and held on, regrouped at half time, 1 0 up, Hearts would have got booed off at half time, regardless of the fact they were coming into the game. You don't know how the second half might have panned out. So I suppose it's just a little reminder that as much as Hearts are, hot favourites for this game on Saturday. Hibs are capable. They're more capable than maybe this perception that they're hopeless lambs to the slaughter, that they're maybe going to get portrayed as in some quarters. I've possibly just portrayed them as that myself. But um, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest, I've seen a lot of Hibs this year under Maloney. I've seen a lot of Hearts this season under Nielsen. And for me, the teams are miles apart at the moment. The only time they seem to be close together is when they actually play each other. Hearts. Yeah. For some reason, the derby seems to be a bit. Of, or until 20 minutes into Saturday's game, had generally been a bit of a le- leveler between the two teams. But I mean, player for player, Hearts are stronger in most departments. There's maybe one or two Hibs players that would push to get in the Hearts team. You could make a case for Chris Cadden, for example. Um, but on the whole, you would think Hearts are, are just that bit superior. But that first 20 minutes, he certainly wouldn't have thought that because Hibs looked really confident. They played with purpose. They played with intent. They tried to play in hearts half, but just, it was probably, a, a, everybody keeps saying 20 minutes and it probably was. It just seemed like the game swung and Hibbs suddenly started to get penned back in. And yeah, it probably was around that time where they switched Mackay because Mackay was out more on the left at the start, wasn't he? And then Mark's saying a free role. I felt he was more on the right, but maybe that free role just allowed them <laughs> to play more on the right. And- Before we
2: played Ross County, um, we were chatting to Joe Savage about the the lineup, and um, we were talking about where he was playing. We're like and Mackay, just he was wherever he wants, just does what yep. he plays, plays where he wants. And I think he is effectively given a free role just now, so he, he he may go out left or out right. But I think he's he's pretty much got that um, the the ability or the freedom to to drift where he. Where he feels he's going to be best, um, best used, and you know he did he did have an influence in the game quite a few times. He sent Ellis Sims, Sims through the twenty fourth minute. This is maybe where things have started to swing back in Hart's favour a little bit. Sims through one on one, little lob over the goalkeeper, but wide of the post, and the timing is perfect. You know it's it's uh, for the equaliser. You're quite right there, Tony. Um, added time, at the end of the first half. Peter Haring basically switches the play with a tackle. Which is tremendous. Out to the left for Alex Cochrane, he feeds Ellis Sims, who shrugs off uh, Paul Hanlon. This is where Ellis Sims is really at his best for Hearts, using his upper body strength to hold off the defender. It's not very tidy in the end. The way it breaks to Andy Halliday was a very nice finish. And Ryan, I, I think I can come to you now. I think you're at. I think you're at the training ground. Um, yeah. As, as a player, how key is that? Because that just changes the complexion of a game, doesn't it? To get that goal right on halftime.
1: Oh, it's the best. Because it also changes Maloney's team talk from... If, if it was 1-0 up, from a Hibbs perspective, you would be saying that was a great half. Like, you scored early, stayed on top for the first 20, 25 minutes, and then sort of held out to halftime, which is, you know, as an away team, they're going to have that spell. And like... um. Tony said were Hearts would have probably got booed off and fans would have been feeling really nervous. So for that goal to go in, and especially for Halliday, because he had a couple of shots in the first half which were greeted by uh, some cheers from the Hibbs end, and to, to score into that end and, and celebrate was the, the perfect way to end that half. And it almost made every Hearts fan forget how poor they were for that first 20, 25 minutes, and it, it really just kicked on for the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, there's some wonderful a wonderful pantomime about that, isn't there? It reminds me of I don't know if you remember Aberdeen were playing St. Johnston and I think it was the semi-final of the cup a few years ago. And the Aberdeen fans were singing who the who the F is Stevie May. Mm. Um and then he scored twice. And then the St. St. Johnston dangerous f- that, isn't it? And then the St. Mm. St. Johnston fans started singing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there is that wonderful element to it and uh, you know you, you run the risk you, you go to a player and, and you sing sing about him and then that happens and I think Halliday really deserved it over the, the piece of the game but it did change the complexion and Mark uh, you kind of had a renewed confidence then and going into the second half that seemed to be the case for the players as well because they just went at Hibs right from the restart and you know less than two minutes in the second half they're 2-1 ahead and As soon as that's gone in, you just you feel like there's only going to be one winner.
0: To give you another word to do with what we were talking about, football and maybe only one other thing, Um, swashbuckling is is rarely, (laughs) apart from when you're talking about pirates or seafaring. It was a swashbuckling start to the second half. Uh, It was a delicious ball in from Peter Haring and a nice finish from Stephen Kingsley. Because I'm sure. Ryan would be able to tell us he has made that look a hell of a lot easier than it actually was because you try and get power in that Ryan and that could easily be up beside my mom and dad in the back row of that stand.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. But it's it's all about the ball. That mm. ball is it's almost impossible to defend. But like the hips player is in a good when you're watching it, he's doing everything right defensively. But the ball's just too good. He's just got beaten by the ball and um, tremendous finish. And and Kingsley is sometimes you think how has hearts got him on on such a good deal for getting him for free and and what he's done since he's a hearts player, he's just been absolutely outstanding. And um, yeah, it was a a very, very tidy finish. And it, it, like you said, it just set up the game perfectly. I felt at that stage, it could have been a four, five, six, whatever hearts wanted at at that stage, because you could just see Hibs just got sucked right out of it. And at halftime, they would have been saying keep it tight for the first five, 10 minutes and work our way back into the game and, and at 2-1 it was just finished already You could have just blown the whistle at, after Kingsley scored because there was no way that Hibs were coming back into that game
0: Here's one for you Laurie uh, I don't know the answer to this I'm just looking at the times of the goals is it possible that both Halliday's equaliser and Stephen Kingsley's goal were scored at exactly the same time?
3: Um, yes they were both in the 46th minute apparently
0: Yeah and I'm yes, going, obviously yeah. going into seconds and, and whatever it must have been pretty close um, mm-hmm. as to the minutes and seconds for Halliday's goal, because that would have been 45 or no, it would have been 46 plus something. And Kingsley's goal was 46 plus something. Again, that's just a nerdy commentator saying, Oh, there that could be something. But <laughs> to, to end the half, and just listening to to Sean Maloney's post-game, he was absolutely livid at the way that they played in the second half. And I, I don't know how it would have transpired had Kingsley not have scored, but I'm sure Robbie would have said, "Look, this is the way you've ended that first half. Get right after them, get stuck in about them. Let's go for this. Let's kill this game off if we can, nice and early." And uh, and my God, when Kingsley scored, and then for Halliday to get his second ten minutes later, uh, as Ryan said, looking back now, they've gone.
2: I do feel like three-one in the end. Flattered Hibbs, if anything, yep. uh, you know it could have been a game where Hearts really did rub salt into the wounds. And uh, you know, from from a perspective of looking ahead to Saturday, I know Ryan Porteous will be back, and that can potentially make a difference. But I have to say, I, I dearly hope he doesn't replace Rocky Bushiri in the starting eleven because <laughs> uh, I mean, Tony, you you've seen Hibbs, I think more than I have this season. I've I've seen them in the Derby and a few other live games on TV. Is he as bad as that on a consistent basis?
3: (laughs) No, he's not. He's not. He was like a lot of the Hibs players in that second half. Particularly, he was rattled, I think, by maybe the atmosphere, the way the game had gone. I mean, I'm not saying he's top quality or anything like that, but he certainly looked a lot more assured than games I've seen him previously. He's, I mean, to be honest, Hibs generally this year have been very good defensively it's been scoring goals it's been their problem but on Saturday they looked a bit shambolic at times but I think a lot of that was down to how well Hart's attacked they just put them under so much particularly in the sort of later stages of the first half and throughout the second half and Hibs were just sort of hanging on clinging on but most Hibs have had quite a few clean sheets this year and generally have looked pretty sound defensively that's been one of the good parts of their team and Bushiri has played his part within that I mean he's not He's not a top-quality Hibs centre-back by any stretch, but he looks comfortable enough there. He, he has his occasional erratic moments, but generally he hasn't looked as dishevelled, I suppose, as he did on on Saturday there.
2: Indeed. Um, I mean, elsewhere on the pitch, I thought from a Hearts perspective, I know they had a shaky start, but defensively very impressive. And Ryan, I know we've spoken about him quite a few times, but I thought Craig Halkett was, was excellent again at the back, and um, Elias Melkerson was being highlighted as the potential attacking threat for Hebs, but I I thought Halkett made him look like like it was it was, it was like men against boys really at point at points when he was just barging him off the ball at times, just with his yep. with his strength and, and understanding. I just thought it was a very assured display.
1: Yeah, I think what Tony touched on is as a defensive unit, I always look at at other centre backs and. Hearts centre-backs were on the front foot. They were nicking the ball in when it was coming up. They were powerful. They were commanding, which as a defender of Hibbs, you just lose confidence because you are clearing the ball or you are holding them out, but it's just continuous because they're not getting that vocal point of holding the ball up and, and getting a touch. And that's why Sims is so good for Hearts is because if they are under pressure, he can win you a free kick or he can get you a corner or he can get you a, a throw-in further up the pitch and, and sort of relieve that pressure for a couple of minutes whereas hips just didn't get that chance because hearts were so on the front foot and it's so important for center backs when you are on top or when you do have the ball to be sort of that second phase defending in terms of if we lose the ball how quickly can we get it back and, and hearts were very very good at that um i would say after that first 20 minutes because watching hearts that first 20 minutes i think i even put it in the group chat i was worried because it just looked like we were completely off the pace. I was worried about the midfield pairing. I thought Halliday and and um, Peter Harring were were miles off at that first twenty minutes. And um, but once they started getting a grip of the ball, once they started winning those second balls and being able to to sort of hem Hibs in, it was um, it was definitely a winner. And, and it's probably a good thing going into that semi final knowing that you know that first twenty minutes wasn't great, and they can't really afford to have a twenty minutes or a thirty minutes like that at the weekend because. You know yeah, Semi-finals And big massive games You don't want To be coming from behind And, and Hearts would definitely Want to be starting Much better Come this Saturday
2: Ryan I remember We spoke about The 5-1 game before And In some ways It's a similar complexion but To this game In terms of Hibs Are not a good Hibs team I think their fans Are aware of that They're not in a great place Just now And Hearts are in a much Better place you know, It's still a one-off game Um but I remember you said in that game you just there was this little bit worried about maybe O'Connor or Griffiths could do something and attack, and if you yeah. weren't on your game, you know it'd just be that they could maybe be the the um, the part of the Hibs team that could hurt you. What do you think Hearts are looking at ahead of Saturday then, especially after having just played Hibs? Um What do you think? I know obviously you have to still look at it as a one-off game. It doesn't matter that you've just beaten them. It doesn't matter where you are on the table. Uh, you know, if you a few players have an off day if. Hibs take their A game. What do you think is the biggest threat to to Hearts this weekend?
1: Uh, Hearts not (laughs) playing to their standard. But after that, there should be no quit. If I'm a Hearts player at the moment, I'm looking at it like, let's get five or six. If If we score in the first 10, 15 minutes on Saturday, it could be a five or a six. That's that's how I'm looking at it. Because you've just beaten them 3-1, which had absolutely flattered them. They're going to be going into that game. Even as a Hibs fan, imagine going through to Hamden and the Hearts scoring after five, ten minutes. You'd just be thinking, oh, what, the f- what what? have we been working on all week? Like This is not going to work. And it would just be an absolute killer for them if if Hearts started well at the weekend. And, and I think it's all about the fast start and making sure that, that they're on top. If Hibs do come back into the game, you know, after it and have their possession, you've still got that goal advantage. But I would, I would be going for the throat big, big, big time because there's not one part of that performance from a Hibs perspective, bar the first 20 minutes and a deflected goal where they'll be thinking, hey, listen, we're, we're still in with a shot or like you said, we've got a Griffiths that could score a screamer or score a free kick. They just, they don't seem to have any threat at the moment. Um, that any of those Hearts players would be looking at it, thinking this player could get the better of me uh, come Saturday. Laurie, Which if is, Ryan,
0: uh, if Ryan had stopped his answer after one word, <laughs>
1: seriously, if
0: he'd stopped well, I he was biggest, well exactly. <laughs> the biggest danger for Hearts this Saturday is Hearts, and and it's complacency. It's if we play our game and we approach it as Ryan said. This isn't a, oh, the chance to be the Scottish Cup final. Oh, it's heads at hand. This is a, let's get fucking stuck in about then. Look yeah. what we've just done. And we were shite to begin with. And I, I totally agree with you. I think the first 20 minutes or 10 minutes or however long it was at Tynecastle on Saturday, that's enough for Robbie Nielsen to use as ammunition, saying, hey, you were shite and they weren't much better, but you saw what you can do when you weren't shite. You had chances uh-huh. and then you took them apart. So if Ryan had stopped his answer after one question, the biggest danger <laughs> to Hearts on Saturday is
3: Hearts. I suppose you, you only have to think back, what 18 months ago when Hearts and Hibs last played in the semi-final, that was a far stronger Hibs team than the one Hearts are going to play this weekend. And that was yep. a far weaker, not not a far weaker Hearts team, but certainly they have a far stronger Hearts team now than, yeah. than they did then. In many ways, that was billed as an upset. I don't think it was an upset because I think Hearts still had decent players. They had Naismith who was still capable. They had Boyce. They had good players. Hibbs probably were better on paper at that point. So it was, and obviously the fact they were riding high in the Premiership at the time, and Hearts were in the Championship, so it, it, you could see why it was billed as an upset. But I suppose from a Hearts perspective, if there's anybody anxious about the weekend, they only have to think, well, look at the team we had 18 months ago, and look at the team Hibbs had then with Nisbet, Boyle. I'm sure Deutsch was even fit for that, I might be wrong. But that, that was a, compared to what Hibs are going to be at the weekend, that was a far stronger Hibs team. And Harts rose up and beat them 2-1. So, I mean, all logic suggests Harts should win by a few this weekend, but it doesn't always work like that.
2: I, I'm thinking about 2006, actually, as well. And I know there's been a lot said in the, in the social media spheres and online about the... Tickets for the game, and obviously Hearts have asked for additional tickets, so it looks like they will have a bigger support at Hamden than Hibernian. And probably no surprise that Hibs have not sold as many; they're not in a great place just now. Um But I always think back to 2006, and I was nervous ahead of the 2006 semi-final until I walked in and took my seat just before the kick before kickoff, and then it all just—I was entirely confident at that point because the Hibs end was had huge empty gaps and there was, and they were pretty quiet and the heart's end was absolutely packed and bouncing. And I mean, that in itself has got to have an impact as well, doesn't it? You know, mentally to, even if they don't see it to the players as they come out, even if it's just giving the hearts players another extra edge,
1: even the, the, the cup final that we won, both sets of supporters were right up for that game. You know, they thought that that was their chance to Mm. break their hoodoo and, and who better to do it. If anything, Hearts fans were maybe slightly apprehensive in terms of, fuck, we don't want to mess this one up and, and Heart, uh, Hibs to win it the first time against us. But I, I can't see that happening this week. I can't see there being a big, massive Hibs following and everyone absolutely buzzing for this game. Like you said, it would be a, a sort of 2006 feel in terms of every Hearts fan that's going through there is going to have a little coupon on that's got hearts five plus something because they're they to be that <laughs> confident of um turning hips over at the weekend
2: is that is that other people arriving at training ryan
1: i guess yeah. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll try and get him on the podcast if you want ask his ask his prediction
2: how long have you got till you need to go
1: got about 10 minutes about
2: 10, 10, 10 15 minutes, minutes. <laughs> 10 15 minutes okay um <clears throat> i mean to wrap this up as was tony one thing to to look at Robbie Nielsen and what he's done. Obviously, this is Hearts now officially qualified for Europe, for sure. I know, hoping that we can pretty much guarantee group stage football by the end of this week, but they have qualified for Europe, first time since Nielsen was last at the club. And that's twice now, so it's two spells at Hearts. He's taken over a relegated Hearts side. And by the end of season two, they're in the top three and have qualified for Europe. I mean, that that is some achievement, isn't it?
3: So it's an incredible achievement and it's not a fluke. I think people probably looked at it with the first time he did it and maybe just said say all the stars sort of aligned. He had Craig Levine above him and the perception was that Craig Levine was pulling the strings. He was responsible for a lot of it and all that. But the fact he's been able to, he's he obviously got Dundee United promoted within that, in, that, in, in the midst of all that, which admittedly wasn't a great achievement by all accounts. Apparently United were a hard watch at that time. But then to come back to Hearts and literally do exactly the same thing again, pull them up when they're in the doldrums, they've just been relegated, there's all this negativity about the club, get them going again, get out of the championship. Admittedly, it wasn't as spectacular this time as it was the first time round, but equally, the way they've tackled this premiership campaign was far more spectacular than the previous premiership campaign where they finished third, in my opinion. I think Hearts some people were grumbling a little bit around the winter about performances but I mean pitches weren't helping and things like that around that time of year but over the piece I think Hearts have been a brilliant watch this season I really certainly the best Hearts team I can recall for several years in terms of the way they control games they've just it's not always exhilarating it's not always 100 mile an hour attack 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 pinging balls into the box but the way they look after possession the way they keep the ball for long periods they they pen teams back for long periods and You speak to any. I think the thing, Hearts fans probably take it for granted a wee bit that they're strong at home this season. But obviously, there's been seasons in recent times where they've not been strong, such as under Craig Levine, under Daniel Stendhal, under Ian Cathro. And I think when they win one or two nil at home at St. Mirren, that's like, oh, that was dull, that was grim. But the amount of times in the press box at Tynecastle where journalists who maybe don't watch Hearts that often come through from Glasgow or whatever, and they're like, bloody hell, how good are Hearts, sort of thing. Like, they didn't realise just how good this team are. Whereas you've got supporters sort of picking holes and things and that's the bit, I suppose, maybe it's familiarity breeding contempt at times and even the way opposition managers speak about hearts. like They just absolutely rave about how good a team they are in all departments and the way Robbie's gone about building this team, I know it's not just Robbie, he's got his coaching staff, he's got Joe Savage above him and stuff like that. The the whole, the the team that they've built this season and the way they play, that this is by far the best team hearts have had for Well, you certainly going back to sort of Jim Jeffries time in terms of third place, you would, that would be the immediate comparison. And you could make a case for this being a, a better team in terms of they've sustained it for the full season. there's, and you, you get the feeling there's scope for this team really to kick on as well. Cause a lot of them are still quite young and yeah. obviously so many of them have just signed contracts, but yeah, in terms of what Robbie's done, I mean, anybody who pays attention to my Twitter feed or my posts or whatever, will know I'm a, big Robbie Nielsen fan, I think he's a fantastic manager and I think Hearts are very lucky to have him and even if they lose on Saturday I would still stand by that because I know there will be some supporters that will turn if they lose on Saturday I understand that, I get that because there is a feeling of there's a few games and both spells that have let them down in terms of the Cara game, the Hibs game in the previous reign and obviously Brora and Aloha last season so I, I totally get why This is a big game in terms, the eyes of some people in terms of if he loses it, they sort of give up on on him a little bit. But at the same time, I think his overall progress over the course of his four and a bit years at Hearts, split over two reigns, obviously. I think you can't argue against him being a very good Hearts manager. And the the basic fact is, nobody's achieved better than him in recent times.
0: I think this team has got better as it's gone on. I would take issue with your quote that hearts have been a brilliant watch this season. Um, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I think there, there have been times where, and, and this is where you can be subjective, what do you mean by a brilliant watch? I wouldn't go as far as brilliant. I think they've been very good to excellent at times, and they've been consistent. And you can see they're miles clear of everybody else, and, and that's what you have to be. But I love the fact that Robbie said, OK, well, next for us, we've maybe achieved what we wanted to achieve quicker than we hoped to achieve it, but we should be looking up not looking down. And he's saying the right things now. Um, as for a brilliant watch, I think we're becoming a brilliant watch at times. I thought in that second half, I thought against Dundee United, the 5-2 and various others. Yes, we have been over the piece. Um, I wouldn't use the word brilliant. I would I would say we're getting better as the season goes on. And I would totally agree with you with regards to this team and the individual players, Barry Mackay, Craig Gordon, Craig Halkin and Suter when he's played. This has been as good as, as we've had for, for many, many years. And this the, the, the aim now is don't give any possible naysayers an opportunity on Saturday to take us back to square one. Let's go and do what we should be doing on Saturday. We're a better side than them. Let's go and beat them. And you know what? Anything can happen in a cup final if we get there. That's the way we should be thinking.
2: And Ryan, the main thing I took from what Tony said there was that this is a better Hearts team than <clears throat> 2012. We'd, yeah, your, your team. What, yeah. What, are you taking that? Yeah, I would,
1: I would agree. <laughs>
0: really?
1: I think this is a really good team that's set up perfectly from everything in terms of contracts, in terms of the spine of the team, in terms of the individuals that can turn a game. If you're looking at the weekend... There are so many players that can perform on that big stage and that are a danger to Hibs. If you're looking at Hibs, you're thinking Boyce, Sims, Mackay, Halliday's just scored two against you, Kingsley scored. Like, who are you going to try and stop? You're obviously going to try and stop Mackay, but then that means you're taking your eye off Boyce and Sims. We're taking your eye off... There's just attacking threat all over the pitch. And like what Tony said about controlling games, I have a real feel that this is not just the SBL. They want They know that they're going to get through to group stages or do well in Europe. You need to be controlling games in Europe, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they've sort of cast their eye on further down the line. Is that in Europe, you're going to need to have players with pace, which hearts tick that box. You're going to, need to be able to control the game for long periods of time, which they tick. You're going to have to have a world class goalkeeper. That they tick strong defensively. Back four. Mobility in the midfield and danger. And H- hearts just tick all of those boxes. And it's just a really, really exciting time at the club at the moment.
0: Ryan, would Ryan McGowan of 2012 get into this hearts lineup?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. Where? Atkinson. He'd
3: get in it right back. <laughs> <Definitely.
0: laughs> oh, okay.
2: I'll be interested when we get when we get Nathaniel
0: and uh, our special guest this week. In addition to Tony (laughs) Brown, all the way from Tasmania is Natty. Natty, welcome to the show.
1: He knows that he he's not. He probably has more potential, but I think that that season when I was at right back, I was I was not bad, wasn't I? I don't think. On reflection. maybe I've got better as I've as my memory's worn off. But um Yeah, a good season. had a good season. Not, you had a good season. Yeah.
3: No, see, see with that twenty twelve team, I wasn't obviously I've just written a book about oh, it, so don't not, not now, that it. don't backtrack it. now. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just listened <laughs> to you <laughs> for ten minutes, have a slide dig there. So don't try and <laughs> back down now.
3: <laughs> the thing with the twenty twelve team is that it's hard to judge what they were because of all the trouble they had to deal with. They didn't have a proper crack at being able to do what they were hoping to do that season. The, They finished fifth in the league, but you look at what they were having to overcome. I mean, it's easy to see why they finished there. I mean, had there not been all those issues ongoing, had everything that they had to deal with, there is no reason they couldn't have kicked on and finished third and possibly even pushed Rangers and Celtic at the top that year. But we'll never know. But as things stand, you can't compare a team that finished fifth to a team that's going to finish third and kick on the way that this Team, this hearts team potentially could because that 2012 team never got a chance to build either. They got broken up pretty much that summer afterwards. So that,
1: that 2012 team beat Hibs all four times that we played him in the league, also.
3: They did indeed. The Which only this time hearts it's happened, done. that's yeah. true. But
1: that's, that's
3: it. That's
2: enough about mi- that.
1: Enough about those 2012 that's, teams.
2: That's a, that's a good mic drop moment. Do, do you need to get off to, to, to train, Ryan?
1: Oh, just hanging around for a couple more minutes. There's a few coaches in here yet, so that's always a good sign. So, okay, I have a couple okay. more minutes.
2: Fine, okay. Plus, I okay.
1: want to see if Tony keeps backtracking like he did. Slack, <laughs> 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 you'll, be, you'll be calling that's us soon, to get us to promote your book. I'll be telling him, I'll just be playing that clip there saying that this team's that 2012 <laughs> team's horse shit. Wait until I tell Blackie that. <laughs>
2: Since we've still got Ryan on, let's um, quickly talk about a potential nickname. So last week, we somehow got onto the subject of Yuho Makala, whose nickname was The Surgeon. Um, We won't get back into that, but we put the question out there. If Yuho Makala's nickname is The Surgeon, then what could Ryan McGowan's nickname be and why? So we've we've got a few responses. So let's go through here. Um, Hearts Heritage uh, message saying, how about Mr. Two Thirds? or 66.6666% as this was his ratio of goals scored against Hibs uh, versus Hibs against his overall Hearts goals. Obviously. Wow. Three goals in total for Hearts, uh, two of them against Hibs. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. That's, that's, uh, that's an interesting it's one. It's a great stat, isn't it? It is, it is. yeah. Um, Steve Weddle says, the flying deck chair. <laughs> don't know <laughs> what to make of that. <laughs> is that George, what they put? Yeah, just the, the flying deck chair. <laughs> <laughs> no reason why, just the flying deck chair. Um, George Hobbs says, "Crocodile Dundee Street." Yeah, which is played for
1: both Dundee clubs.
2: Yeah, or is um, that but yeah. Dun, Dundee Street, Edinburgh? Um, anyway, you can see where he's going with it. Uh, the Maroon Report says the Kangaroo Killer. Um, well, hopefully, not to be taken literally. But, well, I know um, his first
0: victim would be be an A
1: Brown. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah I like this one. J- John Jambo Wilson says the postman cuz he always delivered.
1: Yeah, I like that one.
2: You like that? Um yeah. that's why I went with I I went problem? with the carpenter cuz he's good at making the bench. That was my one. Oh, ah, yeah. makes sense now. Oh, you don't get that at the start.
1: I did, I, was, I was racking my brains I think what's he talking about. <laughs>
2: Um uh who's this? Dirk Dirk Kaiser um says the Toffee Hammer of Hips.
0: A no? Toffee Hammer.
2: I don't yeah, I'm not sure. Um what else have we got? Chopper says Adam Logan. Harsh. Uh Stevie Morris says it has to be Skippy. Um and then <laughs> Marty Musdog says or one yarder, but then uh Craig Morris, Stevie's son, says every Australian nickname ends in a Y or an O. So uh, you'd have to Australianize one yarder to Yardy or Yardo. Does that? How, how, do, you, how do you think Yardy. of that one, Right, Yardy. Has that yeah. got another meaning?
1: <laughs> Not that I can think of, but could come back to bite me, but no. <laughs>
2: um, Mike Bradley says the dingo because he likes stealing a goal. Andy Webb's up to that.
1: Yeah, or Stephen Elliott.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. The dingo. There we go. Um, Andy Morris says yardstick as well. Uh, Big Rich. Yeah, uh, Big Rich is similar thing to me. He says, "How about splinter for the time he spends on the bench?"
1: Bloody hell! Give me a bit <laughs> of stick, aren't they?
2: <laughs> That's probably our fault. We encourage them. Um, Andy Ross says dingo dingus. <laughs> um, Andy (laughs) Andy Munro says the shotgun because you're lethal from a yard.
1: I like that one. That's good. That's
2: good one. Um uh, Alistair Hamilton says the horticulturist because he work he can work wonders with a yard. Uh Born in Gorgis is the one yard sniper, and Eric Kennedy just says Bruce. (laughs) Bruce. Yeah. Your nickname would be Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why.
1: I don't know why. I don't know why. You should elaborate on that. I'm guessing oh. he thinks that's an Aussie term, maybe. Um, oh, I'm getting shouted at by my
2: girlfriend in the background saying yes, yeah, because you're Australian. What, what does that Bruce? mean? that like, Bruce and Sheila. Bruce and Sheila, day. Yeah. I don't know. You should know this, Ryan. I know
1: oh, Sheila. I've not really heard Bruce. <laughs> you know
2: Sheila? Shut up, is she? Yes, she's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark, Tony, you got a nickname for Ryan?
0: No, I'm just um, I'm just realising that Australian slang for a man is a Bruce. I didn't know that. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Why does, why does Ryan not know that? <laughs> what does it being a Bruce mean, Australian slang? A man. C-man. Noun. There you go. Bruce. You
1: go. Ryan, Bruce.
0: You've, got, you've got to know that. Come on.
1: I don't know that at all I've never known that I know Sheila but I didn't know Bruce jeez oh, learn something new every day there you go
2: son <sighs> well there you go what would you pick then Ryan what would you pick out of those as your nickname if you had to <laughs> if you had to pick uh, one
1: oh don't mind there's a few couple of good ones Shotgun was alright
2: you like Shotgun um, uh, was, it, was it about like
1: I the 66 what was the three quarter what was that one
2: 66 um, Yeah, the uh Mr. Two Thirds or 66. percent yeah. Um the That was a good record,
1: to be fair. That's Easter I Scored at Easter Road, Tyne Castle and Hamden. That's if you're gonna score three goals, they're not two bad places to score it
0: They're not
2: bad. They're not bad, Dingus. <laughs> before Bruce. you
0: go, Bruce, Bruce. Before you go, Bruce, because uh, obviously I don't want you to piss off without giving us a prediction, we'll do that later. What do you reckon yes. for, for Saturday? Uh, score and scorer, please.
1: 4-0, Sims. <laughs> I like it. Bang. Like it. That's a good way to, that's a good way to end proceedings. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to have to go yep. now and, and perform no well for Q8. Yes. yes.
2: Thank yes. you very much for joining us, Ryan. We appreciate Cheers, it. Bruce. Right. Good you, luck with training, Dingo.
0: <laughs>
3: See you, mate.
1: See you later on. Yeah. See ya.
3: There goes so the carpenter. Hey,
1: Tony, they, they'll try and edit that bit out, what you said earlier. <laughs> Don't think I won't forget about that. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys. See you later. Thanks. Thank see you Bye.
2: Okay, moving on. And since we have Mr. Anthony Brown on the podcast, we of course have to talk about his new book, which is called Triumph and Tragedy. Of nineteenth of May twenty twelve, so Tony, what can people expect from this? Of course, we know we know what happens in May twenty twelve, but what can we expect from the upcoming book? Why would why would Hearts fans want to get this? I, I know I know why they would, but sell it to us.
3: Okay, um, I think again I'm going back to Reminiscent with legends, the previous book about the nineteen ninety eight Scottish Cup win. Anybody who read that we'll probably find that there are elements of this that are similar in terms of the way it's put together. And the, it's not just about the cup final. It's not just about that season as such. It's about everything around it. It's about all the, all the little strands that married in to lead touch to that point. In 19th of 19, it's 19 5 dash 12, obviously, so that we can get the five, one in the, in the image, yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't sure how you wanted me to see it. Nineteen five twelve. That's <laughs> how I refer to it. But okay, the tragedy I mean. of nineteen five twelve. <laughs> yeah, um, so I mean, it's it's everything. It's it's all the players' stories. It's Paolo Sergio's story. It's um, it's all the trouble they had to overcome as a team, as individuals, to get to that point. Um, it's basically it takes you back in time because I mean, very similar to nineteen ninety eight. I was there in 98 watching all the games. I knew what happened in real time. But then when I revisited it 20 years later or whatever it was when I did the book, there were so many things I'd completely forgotten about. Just little things that are just like quite fascinating in my view. Little nuggets of detail. Yeah. Um, and again, with this one, it was things that I probably knew about. Things that I'd probably even written myself 10 years ago when I was writing for the paper. And it was just picking it up again and thinking, bloody hell, I completely forgot that happened. I, I totally forgot that that's how that came about and just bringing it all together and revisiting it and then getting the players to reflect on it. 10 years down the line when they're no longer at the club and no longer burdened by having to say all the right things in the media and things like that. And they're all obviously able to speak far more openly and honestly now. And they were just, they were a breath of fresh air. The lot of them, they were great. They they opened up. They spoke honestly, candidly about everything. Um they were all very, all the ones that involved in it are very sort of enthusiastic, passionate about it and they were really generous with their time and like sometimes we'd be speaking for two hours of a night and we'd both be getting tired or whatever so we'd say, right, do you want to pick this up tomorrow so we'd arrange to speak again and like it was, it just, they were just happy to relive that time and go into detail about all the things that, because I mean, I'm quite specific when my, I can probably get a bit boring as an interviewer in terms of I've just want to nail down certain little details that I just want to be absolutely certain of. And I keep probing away on certain things and I can understand if somebody's thinking, why does he keep asking me about that? But I just want to know absolutely every little thing. And in the end, you found the guys were great at opening up. And if you pressed them on certain things that they maybe hadn't been pressed on before, they were quite happy to open up on it and talk about things that they probably haven't spoken about before. So I think it's come together. I mean, To be honest, this was a harder one to write than the 98 one. I don't know if that was just because we weren't in lockdown. Obviously, we were in lockdown when I wrote the 98 one, so I had a lot more time. And uh, it was my first book at the time, so there was a wee bit of sort of just excitement about getting it done. Whereas here with this one, it was just, I found it really hard because there were so many different strands of the story to bring together and a lot of sort of complicated issues I had to get my head around. And just there were so many more people involved in this one. In the 2012 one than they were in the 98 one Because it was a bigger squad There was mm-hmm. the Romanoff factor Which made it a bit more The 98 one was a far more harmonious story Because Jim Jeffries came in in 95 And built his team steadily and gradually Obviously they lost a couple of cup finals But generally it was a team on an upward curve And the players coming in Jeffries built a lot of this team didn't he as well <laughs> Well he did, that's a strand there. of this one Yeah the, Yeah, there's a part of, the, part of the book Focuses on that aspect of it as well Um, But here it's just there's so many different bits and pieces to it and a lot of the things people will know, a lot of the things people will have been aware of and a lot of the things people just won't have any awareness of and I think it's a pretty, I would describe it I suppose as a pretty wholesome read in terms of summing up everything about that whole triumph in 2012 plus what happened afterwards without going into too much detail about that because obviously it is primarily a celebration of and the story of how Hearts went on to win the 2012 Scottish Cup, beating their biggest rivals in the Cup final, first Edinburgh Derby final in 116 years. And then obviously you've got this extra strand to it, which is the tragedy of losing the captain within a decade, Mm -hmm. just 36 years old. So that's a big part of it as well. Sorry, my watch is talking to me there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's... I think if for people who have read Reminiscing with Legends, they can probably expect a read, very different content, but a similar idea, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the, the good things about uh, Reminiscing with Legends, one of the things obviously that appeals so much is hearing the stories from all these players and so much detail and all the little nuances and stuff, you know, the things that you mentioned that maybe either People won't have heard before, or they would have forgotten about, or got lost in amongst the kind of the bigger story, so to speak. So, um, I think it's, it's always what fans want to hear is a bit more from those players, and there's there's similar as well because I know you had a bit of focus on Stefano Salvatore as well, didn't you? And the, obviously, yeah. the rem- reminiscing the legends, because he very sadly passed, um, you know, not quite as you know quite as early as as Marius, but still far too soon. So there is that still that kind of element as well, isn't there? Of like you say, triumph and tragedy, and um, and hopefully that will, you know, there'll be a way to honour Marius' memory as well. Um, is there anything in particular? I know you don't want to. I know what you're like, Tony. You're not going to want to start <coughs> giving away snippets and things that are in there. But um, is there anything in particular you can tell us that you you enjoyed putting together, or certain certain players who surprised you maybe with some of their stories or the way they spoke?
3: Yeah, the one that I'm really uh, that I've found really difficult to write beyond the Marius chapter was the Stephen Elliott chapter because he's got, basically I went down to meet Stephen in his house in Middlesbrough last year I think it was June time and uh, he's just he's a really good guy to talk to, just really open and just Mm -hmm. likeable guy, just um, and he gave me some great stuff about stuff going on in his personal life at the time and like I didn't know this before I spoke to him, and he just started opening up about it. And I didn't know whether I could keep probing or not, but he seemed like quite happy to talk about it. And it was something he'd never spoken about before; he's never spoken about since. So that became the focus of his chapter, and uh, maybe—and it's a very powerful read. I think I've showed the chapter to Stephen just because of the nature of it, mm-hmm. and he said, "Wow, I'm in tears," sort of thing, reading it back, and it's perfect. Uh, so that aspect of it i mean it sounds a bit morbid because it's not a nice thing but it's another aspect of the tragedy which to be honest i wanted to address this because when i first put the title of the book out um a few people were like why are you including the word tragedy there's nothing tragic about it in my view and i get that i understand but, but i knew in my head that beyond the marius aspect of it i had this bit as well so i was keen to obviously make it clear that there was a reason i, I I think tragedy would have been fine just for Marius because it is, it's a complete tragedy and it's a massive part of the story. Um, No matter how good it was at the time, how triumphant it was to beat Hibs 5-1 in the cup final, 10 years on, a massive part of the story is the fact that the captain is no longer here and that, for me, is a huge part of the narrative. And the fact I had this extra bit from Stephen Elliott as well just made me think, yep, I need to get the word tragedy in there because it's not all triumph it's not all happiness and to be honest I wanted it to reflect the reality of the situation I don't want it just to be a big celebration piece obviously there is a lot of celebration there's a lot of good moments in the book obviously for obvious reasons Uh, but there's also a lot of sort of poignant stuff and obviously the Marius chapter I would imagine well there's actually two Marius chapters uh, and these sisters had some input in it as well so that's obviously a pretty deep stuff and really nice stuff as well from her. So I mean it's I I mean it's very similar and this I, I the similarities are there. But I feel when a player has passed away that young, that that has to be a big focus of the story. I don't think you can get away from it. It's just such a I mean it's very unusual, isn't it, for a player I mean, let's be honest, Marius could still be playing just now if he if this hadn't happened to him. He's he's a year younger than Craig Gordon. Um, so that aspect of it putting that all together is really difficult in terms of just getting everything written in a sensitive manner I really, it's a challenge I enjoy doing it to an extent in terms of trying to do it justice and make sure everybody's happy with it but it is a real challenge and a gen- both books have left those chapters to last in terms of the writing of them and they've been niggling away at me throughout the process because I'm totally mindful of a need to, to get the tone of it bang on and not yeah. do anything that's going to rock the boat with anybody or offend anybody or cause anybody any needless upset or anything like that, because I want it to be as real as possible. I don't want everything just to be, it was all happy when he was playing for hearts and what have you, because I mean, let's be honest, Marius had a lot of tough times at hearts and I think all that needs to be brought into his story as well, because it's part of how he went on to become a legend. It's a big like the, the, the adversity had to overcome in the earlier years at Hearts. and to be honest most of that 2012 team had massive adversity to overcome as well it wasn't a it wasn't all plain sailing and a, a smooth adventure for all of them so I think just bringing together all the different strands all the different problems people had to overcome and then obviously the the tragic aspects of it there's just there's loads in there and to be honest the I think my previous book was maybe 288 pages, about 140,000 words. This one ended up being 60 pages longer, which I wasn't planning to do, but I just had so many words, so many chapters. And I've tried to keep it as tight and concise as I can, but I just thought all of this needs to go in. It's good stuff. Like the players have been great. All this, even fringe men, guys that you wouldn't really think of being main characters in it, like guys like Mark Ridgers, guys like Marion Kello, guys like Eggert Johnson, and people who were round about the team and things like that, Dennis Pritchinenko, they've all contributed to the book and they've all been absolutely brilliant. It's uh, No, it's been, I, I wouldn't say it's been a pleasure to put it together because it was gruelling at times. It was pretty mentally draining in the past, probably the last six months, just to get it over the line and get it all pulled together. But in the last couple of days since I've signed it off, I've been absolutely buzzing. So <laughs> I'm on cloud nine at the minute.
2: Did you give Gary Locke some more pages?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's got pages. He's not got his own chapter in this one because obviously he wasn't necessarily a main character <laughs> as he was in '98. But he's uh, certainly got lots of big contributions and big. He's he was very good. He, he always is, Gary, when he speaks yeah. uh, on a sort of one-to-one level when he's away from sort of club matters and he's just happy to speak like in a normal, relaxed manner. He's very good and he, he just tells it like it is. Really, he's he's look, he's great.
2: I mean, I'm I'm very much looking forward to, to the release of it and you can pre-order it just now, is that right?
3: Yeah, you can pre-order. Again, it's on the same one, that, um, it's on the same website, it's the Legends one, they are both being sold off the same one, so legends98.bigcartel.com you can order now and it is out the week of the 10th anniversary which is also I mean, the yeah. the week of the Cup Final this year, so that would work out quite well if Hearts happen to be in the cup final this year.
2: Indeed. That would a week commencing the 16th of May. i will be out that week. And yes. um
3: and the launch is the Friday the thirteenth, that uh Friday, the 13th of May, the night before the Rangers game. And that's in the Brunton Theatre. Um so if anybody wants to attend that, they can check my Twitter feed and there should be a link somewhere for or either that or just go straight to the Brunton Theatre website and you can buy tickets there. I think there's still maybe, there's still tickets left if anybody wants to come and it should be, it's a Friday night, Keith Downey of Sky Sports is hosting it and we'll have some of the players there. I'll be there and we'll just be talking about 2012 and very similar to what I'm talking to you guys about, but just in a slightly different way. And uh, just hearing from the players as well, how they reflect 10 years on and just various different conversations we'll be having so I'm really looking forward to that one the fact that it's a Friday night the night before the last league game of the season and hopefully we've got a cup final to look forward to as well the following week that would just add to it so um, yeah it's all uh, now that I've got the book out of the way I'm just as I said totally relieved because I was getting a bit stressed about how I was going to get it over the line towards the end there
2: Well it's good to hear and um, I'm sure lots of Hearts fans will be Ordering this one as they did the last one. I'm looking forward to reading it as well. Um, it's a good time, isn't it, Mark? Ten years on, Hearts in a good place, and hopefully, fingers crossed, in a cup final. Anthony's timing almost as good as an Andy Halliday equaliser at the end of the first half.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, the the young blonde-haired lad that used to travel with us on the Penicuik Hearts bus, to the games many many years ago, has done very well for himself with uh, that excellent first book, and I've got no doubt that this one will be just as good, um, albeit slightly different. And it's it's a it's a pub argument. What's your what's your favourite win out of the two, 98 or or two thousand and twelve? Personally, ninety eight for me, um, just because I never <laughs> being the typical pessimistic Scottish and Hearts supporter, thinking well Hearts will never win a trophy, and they did in ninety eight. And 98 was, excuse me, was magnificent, whereas 2012 was brilliant in a different way. Um, I thought the 98 team was better than the 2012 team, but the 2012 team did something that if they hadn't have done what they did, and never mind the scoreline, I'm just talking about winning or losing, we'd never heard the end of it. So very different. Um, different characters, albeit, as, as Tony said, there is a thread with a narrative that, that features the same, some of the same people. But looking forward to, to, to reading this. And, and 2012, was it was a year whereby I didn't think we were that great. We, we, we could easily have lost against St. Johnston, the late penalty. There were other games um, in that run. But there was something, and you've mentioned it a few times, Laurie, there was something about that final, that when when the teams ran out, you didn't want to say we we're going to win this one. But that, I don't know where that confidence came from. And it was, it was proved right because it was an absolute thumping by five goals to one. And imagine 10 years on, if we're back in a cup final, that's what the boys have got to do this weekend. One job now, between now and not the end of the season, but between now and the next four weeks, is just get that win this weekend.
3: You say my timing is impeccable in terms of the release time. We won't be saying that in a week's time if Hibs have won this semi-final, which is a <laughs> slight concern. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, Hearts will hopefully be in a cup final the week of Tony Brown's um book launch. But there is still one hurdle to go, and that comes this Saturday, 1215. God, back to the early kickoffs. 1215 at Hamden Park, Heart of Midlothian and Hibernian. The first time they'll meet at Hamden Park <clears throat> against each other with fans in attendance since that game in 2012. But of course they did meet each other. Last season, although it was technically from two seasons ago, those things won't make sense in a few years at all, will they? Anyway, looking ahead to this weekend's game, I know we've touched on it briefly, so I don't want to go into it in too much depth, but first off, the team, Mark, um, I think the big question, I know we don't know who's definitely fit or not, um, but in terms of the team, assuming we're in the same position we are, we were before the first game, which was the Cammy Devlin is available, obviously hasn't played for a little bit. Having beaten Hibs 3-1, is it a case of as long as everyone is available, you keep that same team?
0: No. No, because I said last okay. week that I was pretty sure that the team that started against Tabernian at Tynecastle probably wouldn't be the same team. Um, different strokes different for different forks, horses for courses, all the the kind of daft things you want to say about it. It would you could argue it would make sense. I'm just not convinced about Toby Civic. That's the one question mark I've got. He's not been the same player since he came back as the player that we had the first time around. So I don't know what they'll do because and, and I'm I'm not worried about what they do, and neither will, will Robbie B, but that three at the back didn't work. Now, would that three at the back for them work if Porteous is in for, for Bashiri? That, they have to second guess what Hearts are going to do. So, if I'm making a change, if I'm not keeping that team, if I'm making a change, I would go to a four. And I would play F instead of Civic. And I would go Cochran at left back, Kingsley, Halkett and Atkinson. I would do Haring and Halliday. I would do Boyce and F with Barry Mackay in a free role with Ellis Sims. I think they really struggled last week. I think we have to learn from what we did, what worked, what didn't. The start didn't work. The move of Barry Mackay to a, a as, as Tony was saying it's it's either a a kind of free role or more predominantly on the right with a little bit more freedom. They couldn't handle them. So I think you, you if they couldn't handle him then, don't. why would they handle him now if he's if if, they, if he's playing in that role? And that would allow McInef to kind of be closer to Haring and Halliday and allow Boyce to be closer to Sims. So that I would make one change. I would do McInef. And I know we've spoken about width, Gary Mackay, Stephen and Josh Janelli. I'm happy for them to come off the bench if needed for the width. I'm going to go narrow in this game and I'm going to play McInef uh, instead of Civic and a back four for Hearts, But I would not be surprised if he named the same lineup.
2: Uh, Tony, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. I know you were at the press conference, the Hearts Press Conference earlier today. Um anything you can give us at this point in terms of what you're expecting in terms of players availability?
3: Um Robbie was keen to point out that Cami Devlin's been back full training today and he will be available for the weekend. He also said that Andy Halliday will be available for the weekend as well, but he, he said that he didn't train fully today, but he'll expect them to train as normal on Thursday. Um, where Robbie sometimes he says things, and then it transpires on Saturday, that Andy Halliday's not actually available, so I don't know. But he certainly seemed confident the way he was speaking that both of those players would be available for Saturday. Um, Suter and... Smith obviously are still out and I think it'll be a surprise if we see either of those two reading between the lines if we see either of those two playing again this season Um Robbie did say he hopes to see them again but I don't know just from his general tone I just get the feeling that they're maybe still some way off
2: You think if um if Hearts play Rangers in the Scottish Cup final and John uh <laughs> a, 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 a 50-50 is a possibility or oh, could be a risk to play him
3: yeah, I think we might find he failed his fitness test. Okay, okay. Um, but in terms of in terms of Saturday, I'm pretty much in the same thought of uh, as Mark. I would say Sibic is the one that you would have concerns about. I would have probably said Atkinson a few weeks ago as well, but he's really come on strong recently. I was impressed with him on Saturday. Um, I think he'll be. I don't know how he would be as just a right back as opposed to a right wing back. Is he? Good enough defensively, but then at the same time, how much are Hibbs actually going to test Hearts in that area of the park? Um, I would like to see from a Hearts' perspective. I'd like to see Devlin start, but I don't know how fit he is. So then, I guess ultimately, Robbie will. Kn- Robbie loves Devlin. If Devlin's fit enough to start, I think he'll start. One way or in- instead
0: of Halliday though, you're not going to drop someone. I
3: don't Well, to be honest, you talk about bringing Mac and, and what he could do there is just put Devlin in beside Haring and move Halliday up Nathan. one and get him to play. 100%. Which yeah. may actually be better. I would argue Halliday is probably better further up the pitch because one of his strengths is his shooting. Yes. I mean, those goals he scored the other day they were sketchalisk in terms of left footed in the corner mm-hmm. off the posts. Yeah. They were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that might be the best. It all depends if Devlin's fit enough to go into a game like that, though. You don't. No, want to I, I,
0: I agree. I agree, and I picked that team based on Devlin being on the bench. If Devlin starts, then hundred percent Halliday moves further forward, plays in off the left, Boyce and Sims with Mackay floating. Yep, happy with that as well. So, I think we've got good options, and, and that's the key thing. We can play three at the back, we can play four at the back, and we do in most games because it's the formation that, that Robbie's put together. So I'm looking forward to it, I am.
2: Yes, I, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. So I guess it's it's that time. We've got Ryan's prediction and goal scorer. So that's what we like to do now, Tony. We like to do a, a score line. And pick a scorer in the game. Doesn't have to be the first goal scorer, but just okay. someone who'll score.
3: Go to Mark first. I'll go second. I'm just going to have a ponder here because yeah, a lot well, Ryan, of the score lines have gone through my head over the past few days.
2: Yeah, take your time. Ryan's gone with 4 0. He's he's going confident on Ellis Sims to score. He, he does like an Ellis Sims pick. He does. He um, does. But I've, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly like that score line. Same score line as the. It was the last Hamden semi-final that we had against them with fans back in 2006, of course. Um, Mark, what what do you think? What are you going to go for?
0: I think it'll be a lot tighter than um, than certainly Ryan expects. Uh, they've got nothing to lose. It's just this is a fixture over the years, and I've I commented on many. I attended many as a fan, and there was a period where. Whatever you thought was going to happen, the opposite happened. And you're like, how the hell did that happen? How did Hearts win the Easter Road that day when no one expected them? Win? How did Hibs do that when no one expected them? I don't think it'll be like that. I think Hearts will win, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be 2-1. And like he did in the last semi-final between the two sides behind the closed doors, I think Liam Boyce will be on target. Hearts 2, Hibs 1, Liam Boyce to score.
3: You? I'm ready now. I'm okay. go. Okay. Yep, go for um, it, Tony. 3-0 to Hearts, oh, that's partly okay. between my thoughts that they could absolutely go to town on Hibs and also between the thought process that Hibs will be slightly stronger than they were at the weekend. But I suppose that Hibs being slightly stronger and losing 3-0 doesn't necessarily add up either. But no, I think I think, I think think Hearts will win. I can't see past Hearts. And I, if they do win, I think it'll be by a few goals. So I'm going to go 3 um and I will go for... Boyce, Mackay, and Kingsley. Look at that. Going for all Bo- three. You'll get all three goal scorers. All three. What, the Best. minutes of, of the match? What times of the match? <laughs> Boyce will score first after two minutes <laughs> and then after that, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I
2: do feel that Hibbs struggled to offer something in the final third. They had that they had the reasonably good start to the the game on Saturday but I felt that was as much Hearts being off the pace a little bit and I think I think it was, it was you that mentioned it Tony one of you mentioned it anyway um, that maybe that's a little wake up call it was possibly Ryan that said that maybe that is actually quite good because Robbie and the players will be aware like they're not mugs You know, we, we can't have our foot off the gas or we can't be off our game like that because we found ourselves 1-0 behind and we don't want to be in that position again um, so I hope that we're On our game, and we're at it from the start, not just from the well, 25th, 30th minute, or even just the half time almost the half time whistle. So,
3: I think Hibbs' best chance of getting anything out of this game has been robust and hard to beat. Rashawn Maloney's obviously been brought in as a progressive coach who wants to play football, but ultimately, right now, if he wants a result, he I know it sounds a bit archaic, but he needs to get his solid defenders in there. He needs I would I mean, I don't know how fit Darren McGregor is, how able he is to play a game like this anymore, but he very rarely lets Hibbs down. I wouldn't be surprised if he's suddenly back in the team. Yeah. Fortress they should make them better. On. Yeah, If you can get a back three of Porteous, Hanlon, McGregor, I think at least there you've got some sort of base from Hibbs' perspective. They're not going to get bullied. They'll be able to stand up to hearts to an extent. Whether they can actually keep them out is another matter. And even Lewis Stevenson as well, he's somebody that I would be looking to bring in. I don't know if Sean Maloney will see it the same way. He might want to remain dynamic, keep his younger, quicker players in the team. I get that, but it didn't work on Saturday, and I'm not convinced it will work this Saturday. I think oh. he needs to get these sort of solid players... I'm saying players that he can rely on. He clearly doesn't feel he can rely on certain some of these guys because he's not been playing them. But from if I was picking a Hibs team, I would make sure Stevenson, McGregor, and Porteous were all in it alongside Hanlon. You've got a sort of solid core there and build yeah. around that.
2: I think you're right. I think my feeling would be if Hearts go ahead, I cannot see Hibs turning turning it around. I think they need to try and stay in it. And if it's nil nil and they frustrate at Hearts and they get you know the Hearts fans on the team's back and they get Hibs fans behind them. Then it's just a case of yeah, taking it to extra time or potentially nicking a goal. And I agree as well. I think they will be more solid. Ryan Porteous, for all his, his critics, I think he is a very good defender. Well, he is a good defender. Prone, I know, I know, he prone, gets
3: a lot of heat and he gets a lot of stick, particularly from Hearts and Rangers fans. But when away from the flashpoints, he's a really good defender. And if he's on his game, Hibs will be a much harder team to break down than they were on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and I thought he was. I thought he was terrific in the Easter Road derby. I thought he was he had a great game. Hopefully, he has one of his days where he does see the red mist and he does something rash and ends up getting himself sent off. But when he's on his game, he is a good defender and he's certainly a much better defender than Rocky Bushiri. So I'm going to go two nil Hearts. I still, I'm, I'm still quietly confident. Um, I don't think it'll be what Ryan says. I, I don't. I mean, I hope it is but I don't think it'll be a kind of walk in the park, spanking them. Um, but I think we'll have control and we've just got better players and we've got more attack and threat. <laughs> since, since Tony's gone with two goal scorers, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to go with Halkett and Boyce. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happened to Barry McKay? Now I went for three goal scorers. Well, I've only went 2-0 though, so I can't go for three goal scorers. Mm. Uh, Barry, McKay, uh, Barry McKay is Barry McKay. He's a maverick. He, he is he's a... a I'm not gonna just pick him to score now. He, he. If he scores, he scores. If he doesn't, I'll. Yeah. Is that okay?
0: <laughs> you okay with that, Mark? Not really. No. You didn't pick him either. No, I don't think you. will Well, I, I didn't pick him because he only asked for one scorer. I'm not gonna okay, give all. Okay, well, him. You, okay, you're not gonna give all. Okay. Okay, yeah, Barry no. McKay, the, the other one, <laughs> Liam Boyce, Barry McKay. There we go. Okay.
2: There we go. Who's going to score for Hibbs? An own goal.
0: (laughs) Craig Gordon own goal.
3: Harry Clark, (laughs) I reckon, is their best chance of a goal.
0: Hal Kirsten's probably their best chance of a a goal, but yeah, from from a wide area. He's been good. He's been good. I wouldn't be
3: surprised if they put him up front for an extra physical presence because he played there as a kid um, at Arsenal and uh, he's clearly got a decent strike on him. They're going to have to do something
0: different, aren't they? They're, because if they do the same again, I mean, Maloney was saying he, they were they were out They were Hearts were more streetwise. Hearts were better. Hearts were more clinical, but Hearts were more streetwise. How his big thing now is how do you turn around a performance like that and a second half display that was just insipid? Um, so he's got he's got to come up with something, and I'd like to think that Hearts will be able to deal with whatever he comes up with. Indeed. Um, well, we
2: will be back next week, of course, to discuss the Edinburgh Derby doubleheader, part two, and hopefully it's a similar story to part one. And Hearts are on their way to a Scottish Cup final. Uh, we've not spoken about the top six fixtures yet because, as he says, no one really cares at this point. We'll talk about them after we've we've got the semi-final out of the way, and we'll preview the matches. But it's not. It's not a very important thing at this stage, is it? Um, Thanks for joining, Tony. Really appreciated it. No pleasure, as always, guys. And it's good to know that you'll be in amongst the fans on Saturday, off duty. Outing me again.
0: (laughs) Uh, Come on, son. You've written two hearts books and you're meant to be neutral. Very good. I've written (laughs) two hearts books as well and I'm neutral as well. Come on, son. No.
2: What you can do, Tony, if, if Hibs get... To the final and win the cup this year you can write a book and just call it tragedy there you go
0: (laughs) yeah jesus let's not let's not think that please um no let's
2: think happy thoughts so heart tips this weekend hamden park enjoy it if you're there enjoy it if you're watching at home and we'll be back next week to dissect everything that happens until then goodbye Back to Holiday, long shot. Again, yes! yes! And hearts are level. Yes! Twenty-five yards out, goes to the shot. Holiday! Oh, Holiday! Oh. He's done it again.